0: KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community
1: and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.
2: Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Wednesday, April 27th, Tijuana and the Title 42 debacle. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego home prices have soared at rates not seen since the 2004 housing boom. The region's home prices have increased 29% since last year. That's according to the S&P Case-Shiller indices released on Tuesday. It compares this February to last February. San Diego has the fourth highest rate in the nation behind Phoenix, Tampa and Miami. The San Diego County Board of Supervisors voted in favor of buying a twin engine helicopter to help battle wildfires. The helicopter is estimated to cost $16 million. The new twin engine chopper will be able to fly at night and carry more water than the county's current single engine choppers. Tijuana will be getting 50 air quality sensors in an effort to monitor and improve air quality in the border region. The California Air Resources Board made the announcement on Tuesday. The sensors will identify sources of high concentrations of air pollution so that Mexican officials can enforce existing emission rules. The Air Resources Board described the area as subject to emissions from heavy industry and international trade. They say air pollution is a primary health concern for border communities. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
1: Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, or hohenmotors.com.
2: Comments from a federal judge have put plans to end Title 42, a controversial Trump-era asylum policy, in limbo. But regardless of how the judge ultimately rules, KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis says there are still many questions about what the end of Title 42 would mean for asylum seekers.
3: Julian Usner has spent the last two years visiting border cities, documenting the struggles of migrants who were turned away from the U.S. via Title 42. This is the order the Trump administration put in place at the beginning of the pandemic. It gives Customs and Border Patrol agents the power to turn away asylum seekers without a hearing. Newsner is an attorney with Human Rights First. She recently visited Tijuana and talked to some migrants about the Biden administration's plan to end the program on May 23rd. Their reaction wasn't particularly positive.
1: So when I was uh, when I was visiting shelters in Tijuana, the administration had just announced its intention to end the program. And I think more than anything, people had questions and doubts.
3: The Biden administration waited nearly a month before releasing a detailed plan of how they plan to handle the end of Title 42. That plan was released Tuesday, and it calls for increasing staff along the southern border, expanding migrant processing capacity, supporting local nonprofits, and deporting unauthorized migrants who are not requesting asylum. This lack of clear messaging has repeatedly frustrated Tijuana officials during the entire Biden administration. Enrique Lucero is the director of the city's migrant affairs department. He says when Trump was in office, at least everybody knew what to expect.
0: Por lo menos Trump sabías a qué jugabas, ¿no? Decías no, aquí no queremos migrantes, y no llegaron migrantes. A la, uh, hubo un, un descenso en, en en los intentos de cruzar irregularmente. Pero con esta nueva administración no se sabe.
3: Lucero says Trump wasn't shy about his anti-immigrant views and largely followed up his messaging with actions. But that hasn't been the case with Biden. Over and over in the 2020 campaign trail, Biden promised to end Trump's harsh anti-immigration policies and restore the asylum process. So when Biden won the election, thousands of migrants came to Tijuana and waited for Trump's policies to go away. But nothing happened. Biden didn't get rid of Title 42. So all those people just stayed in Tijuana.
0: In dos mensajes. Que yo Biden ha dado nos ha puesto en situaciones como la, en la que estamos. O sea, primero la llegada, la simple llegada del Biden a la presidencia fue lo que provocó el, el campamento el chaparral, ¿no? Esa esperanza que él mismo anunció que iba a, a, a cómo arreglar los procesos de asilo, ¿no? Eh, y, y, y darle para atrás todas las políticas antimigratorias de
3: Trump. Lucero says the mixed messaging put Tijuana in a bad spot. Now, with less than a month to go before the planned end date, another twist. A federal judge in Louisiana this week indicated his intention to block the termination of Title 42. According to the case's briefing schedule, the judge could make his final ruling the week before May 23rd. Aaron Reichlin Melnick is Senior Policy Counsel for the American Immigration Council. He says we probably won't know anything until right before the termination date.
1: Realistically speaking, we will probably get a decision just before May 23rd. It could be a few days. It could be a week. Uh, The schedule is such that we're going to not find out about this until um, really the last minute.
3: Until then, asylum seekers in Tijuana will continue to live in their precarious state of limbo. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News.
2: Chula Vista is sometimes called one of the most surveilled cities in the country, but it took initial steps this week to create a policy that protects its residents' privacy rights. KPBS's Amitha Sharma has more.
4: Years after Chula Vista police began using surveillance tools like license plate readers and drones, the city has assembled a technology and privacy advisory task force. The mix of tech experts, residents, and privacy advocates hope to draft guidelines that balance the city's technology use with limits on what kind of data is picked up by surveillance devices and how that information is used. Nick Paul is a Chula Vista activist.
3: This is an opportunity for the community to make sure that surveillance tech and technology in general in the city is being used in a responsible way.
4: The task force plans to develop a privacy policy to present to the Chula Vista City Council for approval this fall. Amitha Sharma, KPBS News.
2: Accusations continue to unfold in the troubled San DeGito Union High School District. A group of parents is now calling for the resignation of the school board vice president, KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez. Explains.
1: Michael Allman is vice president of the San Diego Union High School District Board of Trustees. He was targeted for recall last year, but opponents failed to collect enough signatures. Now a group of the community's parents want him to resign, claiming Allman continues to harass families and school staff who oppose him. Robin Ruderbush is one of the parents who wants Allman out. The thing that's really important to understand is that our administrators, our principals, and our teachers are protecting our kids right now from the chaos and the board of trustees. Allman also supported putting Superintendent Cheryl James Ward on administrative leave and potential termination because of racially biased comments she made. Ward filed a harassment claim against Allman last month. Allman denies the harassment accusations and says he will have more to say later. M.G. Perez, KPBS News.
2: Coming up, novelist Don Winslow, known for using the San Diego and Tijuana areas as a backdrop for his crime novels, says he's retiring. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. Novelist Don Winslow has used the San Diego Tijuana border locale as the backdrop for some of his most famous crime novels. Books like Savages and the Cartel Trilogy have gained both critical and popular success. Now, after plumbing the depths of Mexican cartels in his novels, Winslow has moved on to an exploration of East Coast Mafia Wars for a new trilogy. The first in the series is called City on Fire. It's a book that's already sparked praise as well as controversy for its subject matter and language. And it's also led to a surprising announcement from Winslow, one of the most celebrated crime novelists in the country. He's retiring from writing. Don Winslow joined KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. Here's that interview.
4: Now, your story opens with a beautiful woman emerging from the ocean on a Rhode Island beach and a group of men and women evaluating her body. In this day and age, talking about women as sexual objects is a risky way to start a novel. Why did you choose to open the book with that?
0: Well, because the book is taken from the story of the Iliad. And the Iliad is largely about the objectification of women. Uh, the the fight, you know, the Trojan War starts over sort of toxic masculinity over Helen of Troy. And there was a very similar incident when I was growing up in New England between the Irish and Italian mob that resulted in a war uh, that went on for 10 years and cost 30-something lives. And so I was trying, you know, to point out the objectification of this woman. As the book goes on, of course, you get to know her and a number of other women in a much more personal way.
4: Now at first blush, uh, the Iliad doesn't seem to have much to do with Italian and Irish gangsters in Rhode Island. How is this Greek legend the basis for this trilogy?
0: Well, when I was reading the Iliad and I was looking at the various stories, and all of the classics actually, the Greek and Roman classics, All of the themes that are in modern crime fiction are already there. Love, lust, hatred, revenge, honor, betrayal, compassion, mercy, all done in the case of this long war that went on. And that war reminded me of the era of the New England Crime Wars. And so I was trying to think, could I write a novel, actually three novels, that would be completely contemporary you can read them without reference to the classics at all just as crime novels but draw from those great themes and stories and characters
4: now don we've been calling you proudly a san diego writer for many years and now we find out you've got deep roots in new england why have you gone back to those roots for this trilogy
0: yeah you know i've been out here in san diego for the better part of 30 years you know, up in Julian, Uh, we, my wife and I started to go back to Rhode Island, oh, six or seven years ago to really help take care of my mom, who was in her declining years. Uh, And we would spend longer and longer periods of time there as necessity required. Uh, And I started to fall in love with the place again. You know, I left there when I was 17, Uh, went back sometimes, but not all that often and not for very long. Uh, But then going back, I don't know, I started to find the the charm of the place and the soulfulness of the place, and it, it made me want to write about it.
4: Let's talk about the language in the book. There's an offensive racial slur you've chosen to use in this book. You've also used racial slurs in your books before. Then on the other hand, you've criticized celebrities like Joe Rogan for his past use of racial slurs. How do you explain your use of this slur in the book, especially when these words are now more incendiary than ever?
0: Well, they're not words that I would ever use myself in speaking to or about anybody. But if I'm going to write about racial attitudes and racism, I'm going to use racial words that are accurate to the people who are speaking them and thinking them.
4: The use of the slurs though, could trigger painful associations in some of your readers. And I'm wondering as a white author, Do you feel any responsibility for that?
0: Well, I do feel responsibility. But again, I feel responsibility, sorry, to portray racism accurately.
4: And there's no other way to do that but use those slurs, do you think?
0: Well, I think, you know, in the the circumstances in which those scenes are set, yes.
4: Okay. Well, your new book, City... uh, Now, let me just ask you one more thing about this. Do you expect that the use of a racial slur now, considering our contemporary climate, is going to affect how your book is evaluated and how it how it sells?
0: I don't know. You know, I don't know. I, I write the stories that I write.
4: All right. Well, your new book, The Story That You Wrote, City on Fire, comes out today. Two more books in the series will follow, but they have apparently already been written. And you announced last week on TV that these will be your last novels. Why?
0: Well, I, I want to go on and, and do other things. And primarily what I want to go on and do is to to keep being active politically. You know, for the past four years, I've, I've had a very active Twitter account opposing the Trump administration and trumpism and uh i feel that that's still an important battle that's not over and i want to dedicate more time to that
4: can't you do both no
0: <laughs> i don't <laughs> think so you know look I, I think i've i've told the stories that i want to tell uh it's time to do something else i think this is an existential moment in american democracy And uh, I think I need to be in that fight.
2: And that was novelist Don Winslow speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. This Saturday, the San Diego Shakespeare Society and Write Out Loud present the 17th annual Student Shakespeare Festival. It'll be in person with students K-12 through performing scenes from Shakespeare. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando previews the festival.
4: San Diego Shakespeare Society's Student Shakespeare Festival is a delightful and impressive event. Board President Nathan Agin says the festival proves how relevant the bard can be even centuries after his death and how accessible he can be even to kindergartners.
0: We just saw some very young students, they had to have been maybe six or seven, and they had no sense of stage fright, or anything. and they just, they just do it, and they just have fun, and they love to run around and do the lines, and, and it's a great time. So why would you not enjoy that? San Diego Shakespeare
4: Society is dedicated to getting people, and especially kids, excited about the Bard. This year, Write Out Loud has joined the festival as a producing partner. Its artistic director, Veronica Murphy, has been organizing workshops to help students better understand Shakespeare's language and to prepare for performances. The festival promises a great time for audiences. They can expect a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of kids that really do know what they're doing as far as the story and the language goes. The 17th Annual Student Shakespeare Festival is free and starts Saturday at 11 a.m. at Heritage Park in Old Town. Beth Accomando, KPBS News.
2: And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.